0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to the RoadWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. Uh My thanks to Todd Zola and the rest of the crew for filling in the past couple of weeks. And my thanks to everyone who sent a nice message. Um, My wife, Courtney, is is doing great. Baby Ford is doing great. Um, So uh, just thanks to everyone again for for sending out a a note. Uh, That really meant a lot. Um, But back with the podcast, back with weekly episodes for you. And I've got a, a three-year streak going now where I've had a member of the NFPC main event overall champion on the podcast. Uh, of course, Phil Dousseau, Bobby Big Bucks, they, they did it solo. Uh, Dylan White, my guest today, uh, partnered up with uh, Brian Slack. Um, and uh, so I get to kind of get half of the NFPC main event Champion on the show with with Dylan White, um, but but first, Dylan, how are you doing? Uh, thanks for thanks for uh, joining me.
2: I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm I'm probably the the worst half of the two. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. Um, but congratulations before I start. Um, you said Baby Ford. Is that is that named after Harry Ford or is it White Langford?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually. Uh, the langford one actually is very very close to what it is uh my my wife's uh her her dad's last name was uh, bedford and her mom's last name was bradford so um ford at the end of both of those just like langford um so yeah i mean you you kind of joked to me uh <laughs> that i needed to name him langford to really uh plant my flag um you know, everyone's everyone's trying to plant their flag on, on Wyatt Langford. But yeah, I guess I, I guess I can claim that he uh, he was partially named after after Wyatt Langford. Um,
2: didn't Put didn't go with your minds? <laughs> That'd be too obvious. You got to kind of make make the audience work for it to figure it out.
1: Yeah. And uh, was not named after Harry Ford. Um, so you will, not, <laughs> you will not see Harry Ford with two big up arrows and inside the top 10 on the next update. Um but let's, you know, that's a, that's enough baby talk. Um, let's, let's talk about fantasy baseball and, uh, we've got a, we've got a post-type sleeper episode for everyone today. Uh, you and I are going to do our best to kind of go through some potential candidates to be uh post-type sleepers in 2024, uh, hitting prospect or former hitting prospects that carried a, a decent amount of hype and maybe didn't, uh, set the world on fire in 2023. Uh, But first I wanted to kind of circle back to your main event title and uh, see uh, just how you're feeling a few months removed from that. Um, I know you kind of made the media rounds with your partner, uh, Brian Slack, uh, a couple months ago. I I checked out uh, most of those appearances, Um, but just, you know, how how are you feeling? you know is there is there anything you kind of look back on that and and still think about or is it already kind of on to 2024.
2: it's kind of weird it's like uh simultaneously feels like it just happened and then also it's it's so long ago and and it's also kind of ebbs and flows so like the emotional uh, like hangover from it and and the highs and lows it's like something feels like yesterday and the stress wake up in the middle of the night stressed out um and then also like it just feels like a uh, a dream from far away. So it's it's still kind of weird. I know Brian kind of feels uh, similar when we 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 still chat. We haven't uh, parted ways, even though he's moved on to better things and, and retired. Um, that it, I think he's kind of going through the same thing where it feels like, can you believe it was over two months ago and all that stuff? All the gifts we would always be exchanging on on Twitter, though <laughs> we our our thumbs are out of practice. Um, but yeah, no, it feels recently because you, you kind of got me thinking about it again it's kind of it's kind of been flooding back of just how, how wild a ride it was we we were first I think at the end August 27th I think we we first grabbed first overall we lost it like the next day and then we got it again and then basically uh, ran it out and just like that that month was just nail-biting time I don't think I've watched more baseball or been on the MLB app more than <laughs> ever <laughs> in my life beforehand um, and as you know, you know, I, uh, I like to sweat the small things and, and, Brian is very similar as well. So, uh, you know, a good match maybe, <laughs> I don't know if our partners would agree, but, uh, you know, we were a good, uh, we were a good compliment to each other for, uh, you know, we, we were always complaining about the same things. We were always like trying to beat the other person for sending information to the other. If someone hit a home run or if someone got injured or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, great, great experience. Of course, Brian's a great, uh, player, I'm very happy to call him a very good friend, um, even though we've never met and he's across the country. Um, just a great experience, and uh, couldn't ask for you know a better year and a better partner to do it with.
1: Yeah, when I was in Vegas uh, for the main event, um, I was chatting with Brian, uh, just kind of in one of the one of the rooms. I don't know if it was before draft or and during like a break during the draft or something. And he was mentioning to me that he was going to partner up with you. Um, and I think I just like told him on the spot that that was the the team to beat, um, because I am obviously know all about uh, how good of a player Brian Slack is. I mean, I think even just a, a solo Brian Slack team would be uh, one of the biggest front runners to win the main event. But I also know how good you are. Um, And so just that combination, and I I just knew that your guys' personalities would be a great fit. Um, So if there was a way that you could bet on uh, NFPC main event um, winners, I might've thrown something down on you and Brian Slack once I found out you guys were pairing, but just kind of crazy that it actually played out that way. Um, is, Is there anything you learned from partnering with Brian Slack? that uh made you better that you're willing to share or just any kind of you know maybe not made you better but just like kind of anything um that you feel kind of comfortable passing along that that was something you picked up from from partnering with him
2: yeah um you know i would joke that i didn't learn anything from him but of course i did he uh I mean, just his experience alone, like without even getting into like his his skills, just the the fact that he's played for so long, he has just a great feel and like intuition about how much someone will go for in fab or like I think our pitching strong enough to head into September, like that type of thing. He just has it like already in his bones, he kind of knows. Whereas I'm like, have to get my laptop out and calculate and say, oh yeah, you're right. We do have a good pitching staff. so he has all that, he has that experience. He's just he's just really smart, obviously. he can synthesize a lot of information and kind of cut to the chase of what's important, what's actionable, what's you know meaningful, and what's just noise kind of thing, um, which is good because I, I send a lot of noise and so he can <laughs> cut through it and figure out what's what's actually useful or not. Um, I think the thing that that where he's the most opposite from me, and I think it's it, it was very helpful for me to to learn and see. Um, is that he's he's really aggressive um, and and kind of fearless in especially in Fab like I'm the type of guy who I'm risk averse so it's always kind of like maintain that floor don't don't sacrifice for a, a big loss um, with the potential for a big loss but he's he's just aggressive fearless he's not worried at all like I want to keep like the Gene Seguros or the Andrew Benintendi's even though they're not performing because. You know, projections show that they're going to be okay and they have a good spot in the lineup. And, you know, this is just a natural variance. But he's like, let's just cut them. Let's, we can get someone else next week. Like, totally fearless. Like, not indiscriminately, like, without, uh, you know, any rationale behind it. He's not doing that. But, uh, like, very aggressive. He knows. I think it goes back to that thing about the field that I was talking about. He kind of knows that there's always going to be someone coming up. It's not really putting us in a, in a bad position by doing you know, dropping Segura or Benintendi, clearly. Um, but yeah, just that aggressiveness. I'm always trying to keep, like, I know it's a week-to-week game, um, but it's you also have to think two weeks ahead and three weeks ahead. And if you drop that guy and then you can't get them back because you wanted to go for the potential next big thing, um, I'm always worried that it'll bite us in the butt. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm babbling. But uh, <laughs> it's just he's, he's aggressive. He's fearless. All his experience came through. He was He was a guiding hand um I'm always a nervous ball of anxiety trying to figure out you know don't make a mistake don't blow it here like what's the optimal choice and allocation of money or roster whatever and uh you know he's just a calm guiding hand and you probably laugh at that because he probably considers himself a worrier but uh yeah really good compliment like I said to each other
1: yeah that's that's very interesting and uh, yeah I thought very well said um I mean you do have to be you do have to be kind of willing to, to cut bait on guys um, mid season, even if, you know, like Ben Intendi. I think that's a great example. Um, I, I ended up like kind of going through the same thing with like Javi Baez on one of my main event teams where it was just kind of like, you kind of got to a point in the year where it's just like, you know, it's, it's time to cut this guy. Um, even if projections wise, you know, he's, He's probably still a guy that should be rostered. Um, yeah, that all those kind of tough calls like that. I think I think you kind of summed it up well. Like you you get you get to the point where you're making those right calls um, just kind of through practice and through reps, and slacked up at a lot of that.
2: Um, yeah, because so like in my experience, when I when I had success in TGFBI, um part of the reason why I did so well was I picked up Joey Votto that someone had dropped, mm-hmm. and um, our main event overall winner was we picked up Tristan Cassis that someone had dropped and Tommy Edmond that someone had dropped and Josh Naylor that someone had dropped. Like we're, we we get success from these like right. ill-timed drops. Um, when someone's just frustrated with the, the current production from that player. And so I, I don't want to be on the back end of that where we, you know, we are frustrated with, I don't know yeah if anybody, but someone well, who's Spencer Torkelson. And so we drop right. him and then, you know, he ends up hitting 30 home runs. So, um, so I don't want to. I, I don't want to make it sound like he's just like he doesn't care. Just drop it for the next thing. He's not at all. It's just he's willing to do it. And when he, when he makes the you know the judgment calculation that it's worth doing.
1: Yeah, and I mean the players you cited like uh, Casas, Naylor, Edmond. Um, you know those are types of guys that you would you could see someone just kind of panic dropping in like a twelve team Roto-Wire online championship. Um, but yeah, being able to pounce on those mistakes in a 15 team league, that's huge. Um, and, uh, you know, hats off to you guys. I bet, I bet when you added Casas, it was probably right around the perfect time in the calendar where he probably hit like 300 thrusts away. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. We got Grayson
2: Uh, as well. the same, same idea.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I remember that. Um, so do, I obviously I know <clears throat> I know you from playing you know you, you play a lot of dynasty obviously uh, TGfbi um, but what is have you thought at all about your plan for redraft leagues in 2024 um, like are you gonna are you gonna be back in the main event <clears throat> as a solo manager or are you gonna dip your toes in any of the other contests do you have you thought about that at all
2: uh I have thought about it hmm. Um I'm still kind of recovering from the whole thing. I don't think I'm going to go by myself <laughs> in a main event. Um, I, I, do co-manage an OC, uh, or a couple of OCs with Jordan Rosenblum, which we'll probably do again as well. It's fairly low maintenance. Um, so that's, that's easy. That's, that's fun too. So I'll probably do that. I haven't really, um, done, um, research or prep or whatever. Um, but I see, you know, people just showing the draft boards and talking DCS and ADPs, what we're doing today, um, and I kind of get the FOMO that I want to be involved. I think, I think I want a partner, and I think it was kind of like I was spoiled by Brian. Just like it was, it was such a good fit, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't know how, how to word this, but it's sort of like, I've, I've been spoiled by having Brian as a partner. And then like, I don't want to be disappointed if someone's not like being Brian. And then, uh, so I'm kind of worried about that from a, like a racial, relational point of view. Um, but I think I'm probably going to be in a, in a main event. I just don't know under what configuration or what circumstances. I, I, I keep talking to Brian every time, every, every week about like, what's your percentage of like coming out of retirement. and. <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling I'll be doing a main event. So this is very helpful prep. What we're going to talk about today. Um, it's good to see the market, good to see the layout. And, uh, it's good for me to have to dig in and figure out who's actually good and who's not.
1: Well, it's going to be big shoes to fill for, uh, whoever you end up settling on as a, as a partner. Um, that's kind of, it's like, you just got out of a relationship with like your, your dream partner and, now you're just judging all the uh people out there um going on the bachelor
2: and uh taking applications with a rose yeah yeah um yeah gotta keep
1: that brian slack on a pedestal um (laughs) okay well let's uh let's talk some it's good to hear that you're at least considering doing a, a main event um so we'll stay tuned for for that um
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check.
0: Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: So, you know, t- I, I didn't focus on pictures here just for the sake of time. Uh, but to me, you know like I get asked about post type sleeper candidates all the time. Um, It's, it's very tricky because, you know, certain players may fit that archetype, but they actually have some hype um, anyways, or, you know, maybe they weren't as hyped in some circles as others. So maybe they don't fit it from that angle, but um, you know, to me, like last year, Uh, CJ Abrams and Spencer Torkelson were probably the most notable post-type sleepers who really hit, Um, you know, just guys that had big time prospect pedigree um, didn't perform that well in, in 2022 and were quite affordable in drafts because of that. But then um, they returned profit for anyone that that took them. Uh, I did not have, I, I had a pretty good year. I didn't have, any CJ Abrams or any Spencer Torkelson. So, you know, who knows if I'm even good at, at finding uh post type sleepers, but um, you know, I, th- I tried to come up with a list of hitters where, you know, at least I, or maybe the consensus thought of them as, you know, top 25 ish prospects. Um, some cases much higher than that and then you know you look at their 2023 uh, production and it doesn't really quite look like the production of, of someone with that type of pedigree um so we're going to try to go through these guys and try to see which ones might be strong candidates to, to really break out this year and which guys uh, might be getting overdrafted based on that that prior hype um so let's uh I'll just I'll just let you kind of pick the first player you want to talk about, whether it's something you like or or something you don't like um, about how they're being priced for twenty
2: twenty four. Yeah. So let me uh, let me let me set the scene first about like how I prep for this. So yeah. Um, the way I did it is I, I downloaded all the projections. Um, I have my spreadsheet to figure out what the player pool is and assign dollar values. Um, I have certain little tweak things where I. You know, I I weight batting average higher, for example, because I want to have a better batting average than what the dollar value is, because it's going to be harder to get uh, batting average off the waiver wire, blah, blah, blah. So spits out the dollar value just by projections. And then I have from that player pool, I also figure out what their like rate stats are, like assuming they all have 600 plate appearances, what would their dollar value be? Just so that I know if they had full time at bats, how are they relative to each other? Um, and then I had the sort of, what are the dollar values of each round? So like an ADP of 125. what's that quote unquote worth, um, if you drafted perfectly and then, you know, I subtract the dollar values to get like the net who's a positive, who's a negative. And that, that's kind of how I, I would set up my, my drafts, um, in the past, uh, It works for slow drafts because you know you can figure out who's the best value here and what Mm -hmm. am i leaving on the table in in a fast draft like where you have a minute it probably won't work i've never done it that's another thing why i want a partner because i don't think i could handle the draft myself i would probably die um but uh (laughs) that's how i that's how i set the table for for this for the this uh exercise and then of course you do tweaks up and down where you think well okay if um Picking someone, Von Grissom has 600 plate appearances. He'll, you know, boost up, but is he actually going to play? They just signed, they just traded for Jared Kalanick. So he probably won't. And so I have like sort of more gut feel, like percentages of like being able to beat that projection or not beat that projection. So just kind of wanted to lay out the process, how I did it. So when I'm inevitably wrong in this exercise, we can say, well, that's what the number said. So I have a a fallback. Um, So the first guy I picked Off the list you gave me was, uh, it looked like an ADP from 339, and that's Henry Davis of the Pirates. This is kind of a cheating one because we just learned that Andy Rodriguez is out for the year. Um, There was already whispers that Henry Davis was going to get catcher playing time. I think uh, Ben Sherrington said he was going to, you know, be playing a lot of catcher. Um, This is probably going to make that all the more um, definite. So he was already, he was a plus two on my uh, my calculation there. So he was already positive where he's being taken ADP wise when he was an outfielder only, um, w- he was worth that spot. Um, now that he's going to be catcher, it's going to be even better. I liked what he did um, for Baseball America. I, I look at prospects using, you know, data, RoboScout is what it's called. And Henry Davis had a, had a great year last year. Um, just all the things I like contact exit velocities blah 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 age for level he was very good so i already like him i had him a couple places last year looks like you know he's a 20 home run guy he was even stealing some bases double digit stolen bases probably he didn't do the greatest but i like what i saw i like him for this year so he's my first pick henry davis
1: yeah and i i shared you i shared the ADP of these NFBC draft champions the 15 team draft and holds with you um, probably like two weeks ago and his ADP was uh, 339 in those then it's it's already 332 um, just in span of a couple weeks um, so he's you know I don't think the the 330s range is is representative of where you would have to take Henry Davis now but I, I'm glad you you mentioned him. Um, and actually a decent amount of these guys uh their value or at least my val my perceived value of them has has gone down or up just based on transactions or injuries um, obviously that was the case with henry davis uh, i mean he really does fit this sort of archetype kind of perfectly of the post type sleeper because you know number one overall pick obviously it was a money saving pick by the pirates then but still you know that's Pretty elite pedigree. He was the best college hitter in that draft class at the time, uh, even as a catcher. Um, And, yeah, like you said, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers in the minor leagues from him, you know, I I don't know. He might even have – like, if you just knew that he was going to be on the opening day roster and he just hadn't played in the big leagues at all last year, he might even have a higher ADP. Um, But he hit 213. Uh, just seven homers in 62 games, so that this this really fits perfectly as a post type sleeper to me. Um, the Andy Rodriguez injury, like I don't think we can really call Davis necessarily sleeper now because everyone's going to be drafting him, knowing that he's going to get that catcher eligibility, uh, and they'll be able to use him in the outfield until then. Um, is there a this you know I didn't ask you to consider this, but say Henry Davis is going. I don't know. Pick two seventy-five now on average. Like, is that does that still make sense to you, or is it just kind of tied to this original ADP where it seems like a good value? Like, how undervalued do you think he
2: this ADP makes him? Uh, I'm just looking at my spreadsheet to try to get a feel for it here that uh, I think I can, you can take them significantly higher. I got uh, like Kiebert Ruiz, I'm just picking someone here, mm-hmm. whose ADP is kind of in like the 11th round. Um, and he, like that's kind of what Henry Davis is right now in, in terms of production, like the 20 home run, 10 stolen base type of thing. Um, so like you could go nine rounds and he's still kind of positive value, assuming he's a catcher. Um, mm-hmm. So as long as you can wait, and I, I saw that last year, right? Like I, I love Francisco Alvarez. I love Yainer Diaz and they were not catcher eligible at the time. So I didn't bid on them in any leagues. Um, I didn't want to wait until they got the eligibility because just in mm-hmm. case they didn't pan out. So like the the risk benefit analysis, I, I kind of missed it, but I probably like in hindsight, it was a, uh, it was a good investment to do that. So I think I would take Henry Davis under the assumption he's going to get catcher eligibility. You just have to wait um, and he can put up like 10th round value, um, pretty easily, assuming the wear and tear of being a catcher doesn't affect his, his hitting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm willing to go significantly higher on them.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, another thing to maybe <clears throat> just sort of have in the back of your mind is like his, his defense, you know, there, there's a reason why he was playing a bunch of outfield last year. Um. But you would you know he would have to be just really bad back there i think for them to uh, have that affect his playing time in a significant way um, but just <clears throat> something to consider and I, I consider this with all catchers really um other than like a Sal Perez or, or someone like that um, but like you do you do got to look at defense because big league teams care a lot about it um, so we have to care about it but uh, just looking at the depth chart it, it would seem like He's a pretty good pick, and he would have been a pretty good pick, I think, at his prior ADP, even if he wasn't going to be a catcher, even if he was just going to be outfield only. So uh, I like that one. Um, okay, so I want <clears throat> to I wanna make a, a case for uh, Ezekiel Tovar. Um, he's got a ADP in these draft champions of 195. And I don't know if he fits that well into the post-type sleeper thing. Um, I don't think I ever had him as like a top 10 prospect. I don't think I had him as a top 15 prospect. Um, But he does fit if you're just kind of looking at 2023 production. You know, it doesn't jump off the page. Um, But he had fantastic defensive metrics. Um, it, It looks like Tovar... Is a you know borderline elite defensive shortstop. He was worth uh, 1.6 wins above replacement last year with just a 70 WRC plus, so um, just a ton of value from the defense. And Ezekiel Tovar, uh, his most common spot in the lineup for the Rockies last year was second in the order. Uh, he did hit ninth a decent amount as well. So there's no guarantees that he's going to hit top three in the lineup, but uh, my hypothesis is that he will play every single day and hit top three in the lineup as long as he's kind of in line with his projections. Like Steamer has Tovar for 259, 302, 418 with 18 homers, 13 steals. Like if he has that slash line, I think he will keep a spot in the top three of that lineup. And, uh, you know he had a 287 OBP last year, but still almost got 80 runs. Uh, still got over 70 RBI. Uh, he hits the ball pretty hard. Um, his big flaw is the O swing. Um, just really kind of terrible in terms of uh, his chase rate and swing decisions. But um, you know I love I love getting guys sort of in this range of the draft where they can in theory contribute in all five categories um it's not the exact same thing as like bryson stott or hassan kim from last year but that was sort of part of why I, i was drafting those guys a lot is just because you knew that they they could chip in in all five categories um and you never and you never really know, like when a guy's going to take a, a jump in, in stolen bases. Um, the new rules obviously helped guys like Kim do that last year. Uh, Tobar only stole 11 bases in 2023, but um, you know, if he's on base, at like a 305 clip instead of a 287 clip, you know, maybe he's stealing you 15 bases. Um, and I, you know, I think there's upside for a guy. La- last year was his age 21 season. This is going to be his age twenty two season, and he's locked into playing time, so I'm expecting him to be better than he was last year. Like um, I don't think that he's just done progressing as a baseball player. Um, and shortstop to me, it it kind of yeah you know, he's going after Willie Adamas, I believe. I like Adams too as a as a bounce back candidate, but uh, you know after after Tobar goes there's a lot more kind of question marks on the board at shortstop there so um i don't know how well he fits into the post type sleeper thing but i i I know a lot of people were high on him last year i I didn't have any tovar last year but i've already got him in three of my five uh draft champions so far
2: yeah i mean i i like tovar i i think i did have him top 10 on my personal list um it's just when when they're doing well and then you get to like add the course factor to it, it's always uh you know, always boosts them up high. Um, I had him a couple places last year. Um, he was fine. He was good. I, I love the fact his defense was good. I, I you're right in that the the Rockies like him and they're gonna probably keep him in there, and he was batting second or whatever for most of the year. Um I kind of feel like he he when I was watching at the end of the year, he was like getting key hits at key times and uh like he wasn't like sagging and fatiguing or whatever. It seemed like he was kind of getting stronger. And this is all just sort of anecdotal hunch. It's not looking at his splits or anything. Um, so, yeah, I like Tovar. And like you said, he was age 21 last year, age 22. Like, of course, he's going to he's gonna develop and he's going to improve. So, you know, you can count on, I would think you can count on 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, ballpark. Um, the Coors factor makes play up. His defense is going to keep in the lineup. And, you know now with a full season of nolan jones and maybe a full season of chris bryant and hunter goodman and elihuris montero kind of taking steps forward um you know maybe that lineup's a bit better than uh we think um ryan mcmahon kind of flagged at the end of the season too, um and so like you know if he kind of comes back fresh <laughs> maybe it's a it's going to be a pretty good lineup maybe and so uh tovar 20 home runs tensile bases as, as a base i think is a solid pers- uh, person to take
1: yeah I- I will just say that I am not counting on this being a good lineup at all. Um, <laughs> despite everything you just laid out, I, I think it is a, it is a bad lineup still to me. So it is, it's important that he be hitting high. Um, you know, for whatever reason, if he's hitting ninth for a good chunk of the year, uh, I don't think the, the pickle pan out as well, but I think the the lineup being as bad as I expect it to be will help him hit high in the lineup. <laughs> um Okay, things. so who who's the uh, the next guy that you wanted to highlight?
2: Uh, I think I'll go Zach Neto. Um, you said he was two seventy four ADP at the time. Let me just check the latest thing. Two seventy four. Yeah. Uh, yep.
1: Yeah. I, I updated that sheet,
2: um, so those those should be all
1: accurate. Two seventy four.
2: So he he is still a negative value for where he's being taken, but like the least negative value according to my calculations. There, um, I had Netto in a bunch of places last year. Um, I think I might have dropped CJ Abrams for him in that OC with Jordan. <laughs> so um despite that, I don't have a bitter taste in my mouth. Um, I like the fact that I guess it speaks to your thing about the Rockies having a bad lineup, so he'll bat uh Tovar all bat high. It's kind of like who who's on the Angels now? So Nettle probably bat high. It seems like they like him, obviously. They're pushing him aggressively. Um he was playing well, and then he got that injury. I don't know. I, I was watching that game. He kind of slid home, and he, like, s- cracked his neck. And I thought he was going to be out for a long time. He kind of came back, and he never really kind of recovered from that. His second half was really poor, and I'm going to uh, attribute that to that injury <laughs> and not him being figured out by uh, by pitchers. Um, same kind of thing. I see, like, 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases. Um, he's going to get the playing time probably going to be bad batting high in the lineup. So, you know, if you're taking him a hundred picks after Tovar, you know, you could do worse. Um, he doesn't have the course factor, but, uh, I, I kind of like Neto at that price.
1: Yeah. I love Neto at that price as well. Um, you know, part of, I think I have more Tovar than Neto. I think I might have two shares of Neto and three shares of Tovar. And part of that is just ADP because, uh, you know when you're kind of trying to fill out your positions like to me netto is sort of the last shortstop i'm comfortable with but you don't always want to wait till the last shortstop in a snake draft um, because you could very easily not get the guy um, so i do have those guys valued fairly similarly I, I prefer tovar but um you know once we once we start getting closer to opening day um you know, maybe, maybe I'm willing to take Neto uh, ahead of ADP, um, but I, I think you're you're right. I think you, you kind of had to be paying attention last year, but he just was so much better than I expected initially against big league pitching. And, I mean, they obviously rushed him really aggressively, um, but he really held his own, and he's a an, like you said, um, just a five category potential type of guy. And, you know, that team's going to be so bad. Uh, I would I would imagine that, you know, he might even hit higher in the lineup than like like roster resource right now has a ninth. Um, you know, there, there could be a path to him hitting higher. Uh, they've got Luis Ranjifo hitting first. Um, who knows if, if that actually happens all season, but, you know, Neto probably a better hitter already than Luis Ranjifo. So, um I like that call and definitely a
2: guy that I, I want to have a
1: a decent amount of exposure to.
2: So I I saw during this exercise, I saw that Carlos Correa is kind of taken in the same round ish as, as Neto. Do you, do you prefer Neto over Correa? Are you scared of the plantar fasciitis, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I, I I don't, I will not draft Carlos Correa. Um, I have, I haven't had Correa. I actually, I picked Correa up in a OCF, Off waivers last year. (laughs) Um, But I think that's the first time I've rostered Korea in at least five years. Um, I just really don't like getting uh, like a zero in stolen bases from a middle infield spot unless it's coming with like Corey Seeger's stats. Um, So that part of it sucks. And then the plantar fasciitis and then you know, like failing the the physical with the Mets
2: and just that.
1: Eh, I don't want, don't really want anything to do with Gray.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just wondering if it's everyone kind of shares the same sentiment that you're saying they're like, no one's taking Gray. And I just wonder if that's an opportunity. I, you know,
1: I saw somebody, uh, I think it was Smada uh, with Prospects Live had a interesting tweet, like a few months ago where he was asking like, do you think it's more important to draft the right players or to not draft the right, like to avoid the right players? And I thought that was like an interesting thought exercise because um, sometimes it's about just not taking these guys that are basically kind of landmines, like avoiding those types of headaches um, can sometimes be as important as actually selecting the correct player. Um, It's kind of like, Correa to me is exactly like Chris Bryant. Like I, I don't want anything to do with either of those guys and haven't for a while. And it's all, it all just kind of comes down to durability. Um, but yeah, I mean, just projections wise, they'll, they'll definitely show up as values.
2: Yeah. I think to answer that question, though, you didn't ask it. I think I, I I've learned from last year Um just to avoid the the landmines, just kind of want guys that can play all year. I know we got lucky. We had Spencer Strider, we had Zach Eflin, we had Blake Snell, we had Mookie Betts, we had Corey Seager. Like it's like we we ended up getting a lot of the guys who did hit for sure, no question. Um, but like kind of the other guys all kind of played all year. Like we didn't really get decimated yeah. by injuries, and so like just just having a full lineup every week. Will get you near the top if you're, you know, kind of following the process. Um, you should be able to. I, I, maybe I, I sound like an idiot, but you should be able to at least compete if you have a, a full lineup and you know you're you're being smart with your, your with your fab and all that with depth. Um, so I kind of think I'm I'm leaning towards avoid the landmines as is the answer for me. Yeah, I I, uh, I won my first
1: solo main event league last year with. Um, blad guerrero as my first pick and Dolan barshow is my fourth pick and like those weren't great picks but there's something to be said for i just never once had to consider finding a replacement for them all season
2: like that that's valuable um, yeah we had we had Varsha, i think we picked Varsha fifth on that team on i don't know if you heard we won the main event overall and uh <laughs> we picked him fifth and it's just like never had to think about catcher even though you know he didn't meet what we were hoping he would meet he still put a value. We just never had to think about catcher. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So uh, why don't we get to a potential disagreement here? Um, I don't have any interest really in Pete Crow Armstrong, where he's going. Um, now these are for draft and hold leagues. So I'm sure he's going later in fab leagues, uh, to uncertainty about his, his role to start the season, but it's really just I I look at Pete Armstrong, what he did last year, and um, specifically his contact rate um, just as he climbed from AA to AAA and AAA to the big leagues just kind of got into to pretty scary places. Um, 66% at AAA, uh, 56% in the big leagues. I just... I. I worry about the playing time because I worry so much about the batting average with PCA uh, in 2024. I I still think he's their center fielder of the future. And uh, I could actually see myself liking PCA as a post-type sleeper next year. Um, But I think it's a year early to take him in the early 300s just because I think he could hit like 220. He could spend half the year at AAA. Um, just, just worried about the batting average floor. Uh, obviously the defense is excellent. Um, nice combination of power and speed long-term. Uh, but I'm, I'm just really worried about how ready he is to, to hit big league pitching. Um, but you might have a, uh, counter take on it.
2: Well, I mean, everything you're saying is correct. <laughs> I agree with all that. Um. I think what has me, well, first of all, the numbers say that where he's being taken in ADP is where he should be taken. And that's for a full season. That's if you drafted him and you had to put him in, like that's the dollar value that he's going to get at that plate appearance uh, rate is what he should be taken at. And and because it's a draft champions and you don't have to have him, um rostered while he's in AAA, um, you know, kind of boosts his value even more. But yeah, I mean his his contact rate was not great, slightly below average even in in the minors. He chased too at a at a rate uh higher than you'd want in the in the in the minors. But he had a good barrel rate, his his exit velocities were good and his defense was incredible. I think we've all seen that that catch he made um in center field, of course. Um so I think he he's eventually going to be in center field for the Cubs for a long time. Um 2020 kind of potential maybe 2030 even um so yeah it's more of a like i'm betting on that happening i know he was kind of overwhelmed in the majors so i I can't deny any of that and i think you know his batting average will be 240 to 250 type of thing um but i just feel that the the elite defense is going to get him in the lineup he's probably going to bat lower in the lineup and even at even at this reduced sort of Production rate, he's still kind of okay to be taking in that you know 20th round or whatever that is, um, so I don't mind the pick. Will 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 he start in the in AAA? I think there's a very good shot. I think roster resource has him starting in AAA. They have Talkman, um, Ian Hap and Seiya Suzuki as the outfielders, mm-hmm. and that's assuming it, that the Cubs don't sign anybody um, to play outfield. So yeah, it's kind of the the odds are against him starting, maybe, um, but I think eventually he will. And if you get twenty twenty potential, um, then I think you know you kind of have to take a shot. So I don't know. I don't know if this is the the twenty twenty guy. I would take a shot on, but uh, considering, I was surprised that the fact that he's his projections, even at the the bad projections that he has, he's still kind of at value at this ADP kind of surprised me. Um, so I think that's kind of setting the floor for me that it's like, this is kind of the production you're getting at the 20th round to expect. So to me, it kind of made sense from a rational point of view, but I, I agree with everything you said, like there are definitely red flags and it can definitely bite you um, by taking him there. But uh, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like them. I, 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 love, I love guys who have elite defense, especially up the middle. So like the Tovars and the, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong's, um, so, because I just know that that sets the floor, that's going to set the playing time. And I think for me, a lot of it is who's going to have the best opportunity for playing time when picking these post-type sleepers. Um, so I think he kind of fits the bill there. So <clears throat> there's a American league central outfielder
1: who I think is basically going to have the exact same season as PCA. And he's going 60 spots later on
2: average. Um any guesses uh same se- say same season as in like 2020-ish like, like getting 20, and stuff. like
1: like I, well you said like 2030 ceiling but more kind of yeah like kind of in line with what you're talking about with with pca all right let's think here so
2: al central so twins outfield outfielder
1: yeah it's an outfielder in the al central yeah. okay
2: so probably not him Maybe Drew Waters with the Royal. Drew Waters,
1: (laughs) (laughs) good job. Yeah, like I I I look at those. I look at those two guys. I just think it's like the exact same upside, the exact same downside, and one of them's going four rounds later. Um, But you know, PCA obviously a much bigger name. Uh, Waters has a big time arm, so he's kind of more right field, but he can play center. Um, Probably some more. You know, the Cubs have more invested in PCA being great than the Royals do and Waters being great, but I think he's their best defensive outfielder. Um, but getting off track there. Um, <laughs> that, But I meant I basically said that just to sort of say, like, I think – like, we basically view PCA the exact same way. I just think his name value is adding, like, a four-round tax here that shouldn't necessarily be there. But, um, you know, we'll see. He's, he's very, very talented. So I would not be surprised if he made me look bad by fading him there. Um, all right, who's who's the next guy you want to uh, either pump up or pump the brakes on?
2: Uh, what do we got here? Um, let's let's pump the brakes on. Maybe this is cheating, so feel free to to say no. But like Garrett Mitchell, I, I don't want kind of che- kind of cheating, but l- okay, forget it, forget it. Jordan okay. Lawler, let's do Jordan Lawler. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I only say uh, kind of cheating, um, like Garrett Mitchell was, you know, some of these guys, um, and this kind of even applies a little to Lawler, but like Mitchell just with Jackson Trurio signing the extension, obviously, exactly. you know, less less appealing. But um, Jordan Lawler.
2: Jordan Lawler. Okay. Everything we said about Pete Kramsvart kind of applies to Jordan Lawler. Twenty twenty potential, good defense up the middle. Um, so, like, I should like him, but – I guess his ADP is like way earlier Two, I think I have 246 written here. Let me just check Uh, what we have 248. Yeah. So basically that Um, my numbers show that that's like a minus $18. (laughs) Like you're taking the production you're going to get is way bad. So immediately, obviously um, that's a red flag. And so the question is are projections under undervaluing him. And like we had Brian Slack and I had Jordan Lawler in our main event overall winning team. um, And he obviously did not pan out for us. Um, And it was all the things I'm probably going to say that are on the good side of the ledger 2020 potential. He, we needed stolen bases at the time and he's good defense. So he's probably going to play. They had him batting at, I think second against lefties. So it's like, he, he, they, they like him. They believe in him, and then he's gonna, he's gonna do well. But clearly, he didn't do well. He was completely overwhelmed. His exit velocities were terrible. Even in their postseason run, they barely used him, like even as a pinch hitter or pinch runner. Um, so that kind of is a red flag to me in my appeal to authority. In that, the, even the club wasn't really enamored with him. So I kind of feel you're you wish casting a lot here that you think Lawler is going to do well. Um, so I, I like him long-term. I think he's a, a nice player for sure. I, I like the 2020-ish, 2020-ness. I like the good defense. Um, I just don't know if 2024 is the year that that's going to happen. So I think like Pete Kromstron, like you said, he may be a guy that I, I'm targeting in 2025.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, I, think I like Lawler even more than you, uh, long-term, um, just based on where we've kind of ranked him as a prospect. Um, and I, I think he's got just a really, really high ceiling. Like, I think he's, I think he's got like 30, 30 potential. Um, but I, and I have a share of him. Uh, I think I have one share of Lawler, uh, But I can't really argue with anything you said there. Um, You know, to me, like spring training for Jordan Lawler will be intriguing to to kind of watch. Um, You know, the Eugenio Suarez pickup makes it very easy for them to just start Lawler back at triple A. Uh, and Geraldo Perdomo is is just a really nice piece to have who can just kind of play anywhere and, and play really good defense. Um, but I do think Lawler, like you know he was he was basically terrible at AAA for like 20 games last year, 30 games. and then he was just elite the rest of the season. Um, he only had 20 batted ball events in the regular season in the big leagues last year. So, um, you know, I'm not like reading into his production in his 34 um, regular season plate appearances in terms of projecting him. um, But I do think you have to look at it in terms of projecting his status for the opening day roster. And you have to look at the depth chart. And I think that they would be open to the idea of Jordan Lawler just taking the shortstop job and spring training, and maybe they get another um, prospect promotion incentive draft pick like they did with uh, Corbin Carroll. Uh, if they start Lawler up all season and, and he's awesome, but I, I think he just really has to be great in the spring to break camp on the opening day roster. Totally
2: agree. Totally agree.
1: Uh, okay. So, um, I kind of want to just sort of piggyback off of off of what you have to say about these next couple guys because uh, we're kind of largely in agreement on some of these. But uh what, what was your thoughts on because um, to kind of for the listeners, I gave Dylan sort of a list of guys, and there were two candidates that had an ADP inside the top 150, and they were Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe. Jordan Walker's uh, going at 125 on average in draft champions, Anthony Volpe 133 um you mentioned that walker at 125 was was a little interesting to you
2: yeah i mean using that that calculation i was talking about he is like significantly better value than anthony volpe even though volpe was you know 2020 and maybe maybe it's he's going to be better value because the soto signing is going to have more people batting ahead of him or just the lineup would be better and maybe they're going to run opposing pitchers ragged um, I don't know, but Walker was significantly better, and then I think the t- Tyler O'Neill trade kind of frees up more playing time or kind of more cements uh, Walker's um, place in the outfield or DH uh, moving forward. So I think it's kind of he's he's going to get you know 500 plus plate appearances um, for sure. I feel Jordan Walker, and he had a he had a quietly good season last year. Um, I know that's kind of been what people are talking about, how, you know, he was better than you thought and he finished the season strong. Um, I think I I keep talking about these guys going like 2010. I kind of think he can go 25, 10. Um, He kind of went through adversity. So that kind of is behind him. Again, this is just, you know, anecdotal feel stuff um, that I don't have any, you know, data behind it, but I think, you know, he's a solid player who did all pretty well. It was a terrible season for the Cardinals overall. Um, so I kind of feel everyone's going to kind of get boosted up and do better. Um, he's, he's pretty good value at that, at that spot, um, with what Steamer's saying for production wise. Um, and so with the, the playing the floor kind of being higher with the O'Neill trade, it kind of like makes that a safer pick. And then with the upside that he has, because he's, you know, he's still only 21, 22, um, he can have a huge you know his 80th percentile outcome is probably much higher um than other people you're picking at that in that in that round so i like jordan walker there of those two i do like volpe still long term as well but there's so many good shortstops that like i don't know i think i feel he's getting like the yankee fan base boost and uh people are kind of overcorrecting there on the on the on the high side
1: yeah i mean i think the the stolen bases are a big part of where volpe's going um you know, just people looking to address, trying to get thirty steals in that range. Uh, Walker, I, I think. You know, he. You're you're definitely right about uh, how he was sort of trending. I d- I haven't taken him yet. Uh, it, I do I do have a hard time with just the <clears throat> huge outfield. Like you know, he's six five. What like he's he's massive. Um, obviously playing out of position in the outfield, he was just terrible out there, uh, should basically be a DH or a first baseman. I do worry a little bit about when you have a guy that big playing out of position, like, is he going to get injured? Like, are struggles going to affect him at the plate? Um, you know, how quickly are they going to be willing to move him to DH? Uh, but yeah, I think like if you just said you're getting – 550 plate appearances from, from Jordan Walker, and I think he, he's definitely a solid pick where he's going. Uh, how about, uh, how about Brett Beatty? Um, I, you know, when I first kind of came up with this idea, I was really excited to, to hear your thoughts on Ronnie Mauricio, um, because I'm not really in on Mauricio, um, obviously certainly not in on him for, for 2024 after the sad news uh about the acl but um i wasn't really in on him before that just because of uh, the you know the amount of chasing he does um but his injury kind of clears things up if they weren't already clear for brett Beatty. Uh, what are your thoughts on him with the adp of 344 in draft champions
2: yeah. When you were saying that, you know, you don't know if you're really the, the authority on post type prospects. I, 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 feel exactly the same way. Like I was out before last year, I was out on Henry Davis. I was out on Matt McLean. I was out on Ronnie Mauricio. I just, what they were doing in the minors was not compelling me at all to, to be high on them. And then of course they had breakout seasons in the minor leagues. So I loved Ronnie Mauricio coming into this year. Um, the Mets were saying that they you know their third baseman is internal already. So you know everyone's speculating it's is it Beatty? Is it Mauricio playing third? And now that Mauricio's out, I mean maybe that's changed, maybe they'll they'll find someone, maybe they're gonna backtrack on that and get some depth at third base, but it kind of opens it up for Beatty. And even at 340 or whatever you said his ADP was, um he's at value right there. So now add the fact that he'll probably get more playing time. Um I think that just obviously pushes him up i i still like him i like him for 25 home runs maybe not this year but like that kind of rate he's got that potential in his bat he's only going to be 24 i believe this year um he has the pedigree um i know he wasn't the greatest last year but I, I still kind of believe and i think at that price it's like it's the henry davis price 20th round or whatever it's uh you know you can You don't really have a downside there taking him someone who's probably gonna get full time at bats or has the potential to have full time at bats with a 25 home run opportunity, I think definitely worth the shot.
1: Yeah, Beatty uh pretty much at every I think every upper level, um, he's kind of had a rough patch before getting into a groove, maybe. Uh I mean, he was awesome at AAA last year in 26 games, 10 home runs. Um, He seems like more of a – like he's the type of player I think, like David Stearns being in charge, like that's a bat that they're going to want to kind of maximize and develop. Um, And I think it's – I think he he kind of fits classically into this post-type sleeper thing where a lot like Henry Davis – Benefiting from the injury to a teammate a little bit, but also just kind of the amount of sort of pedigree and and prospect shine he had at one point still dominant in the upper levels of the minors, but hadn't put it all together in the big league. So uh, I like, uh, I like the Beatty call. It'll be interesting, like with Davis to sort of see where his ADP goes. Um, Probably won't be quite the type of bump um, that Davis is going to see based on that injury, but you look at the third baseman who are going behind or going in front of Beatty, uh, Colt Keith, Like I think Beatty will clearly go ahead of Colt Keith uh, going forward, but like Wilmer Flores, Willie Castro, Jordan Westberg, Eugenio Suarez. Um, I'd, I'd probably take Heimer Candelario over Beatty, um, but he's going like 75 spots higher. Um, so yeah, I like that call um anyone else you want to like so we got we've got like miguel vargas and von grissom both have an adp of 374 i think they're very similar because to me they're they're similar awesome you know command of the zone in theory um debatable how much home run power there's going to be debatable how much playing time there's going to be did you have any thoughts on vargas or grissom before we get to the uh sleepers at first base
2: i i think i don't know so my sense is the braves don't believe in grissom or they don't want to give him a chance they traded for kalanick as well maybe they'll platoon in left field or something but i don't know i just don't i can't count on grissom uh getting the playing time that we'd want and even if he gets the playing time like yeah he'll have a good batting average uh, but he's not going to be amazing in home runs going to be amazing in stolen bases so It's like you're not even really getting in that high of a ceiling, maybe. Vargas, I I mean, I guess everything kind of applies to him, too. Um, With Betts being given the second-base role um, explicitly, and Lux probably playing short um, the bulk of the time. Like, I guess he's going in the outfield, and now there's all this talk of maybe getting Margot, or (laughs) is Randy or Rosarena removing the Rays from his Instagram or whatever is that? Is that portend maybe he's coming to the dodgers or something i don't know him posting a picture of him with otani um so it's like i mean i loved vargas going into last year i liked him roboscout really loved him i liked uh the the hit tool and just he did not do well yeah obviously he had his thumb thing and he didn't do well but i mean even roberts was saying that you know he's got to be he's got to be giving more competitive at bats and then they sent him down at triple a and then you never really heard from him again you never heard that you know he's doing well and they're gonna call him up. He just kind of he was gone for the rest of the year, um, and he, he did okay in AAA. So same thing that I said about Grissom. I don't know if the Dodgers trust Vargas again. So I I had I had him as someone I'd probably take, um, and that was probably just the Otani shine that made me think that. And then when I looked deeper, I'm like you know what I don't think I like Vargas. So Vargas Grissom, I don't know. I'm kind of I don't think I'll get them, or or even or even go for them. Yeah, I
1: think I think people might some people might be drafting Grissom like they already assume that Grissom to the White Sox in a Dylan Cease trade is like gonna happen for sure. Um and if that does happen, you know, I mean he his ADP will go up, but like you said, you're kind of you'd be hoping that he's sort of hitting first or second and really helping in runs, really helping in average, and just you know, maybe get to like 15, 10, something like that. Um I think I did take Vargas like he really fell in one of my DCs and, and I ended up with him, but yeah, all the sort of research I could do just on public quotes from the Dodgers. It seems like, you know, you, you, never, you never like when a guy doesn't have a clear spot who's been like an infielder his whole life. And they're talking about playing him in the outfield. It's like, I know the Dodgers aren't going to give Miguel Vargas like 300 plate appearances in the outfield. They're just not going to do it. So, um, you know, I'd love a trade for, for both those guys. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's continue the exciting end-of-show gimmick we got here. Um, it's first base week. Uh, already covered catchers, already covered outfielders. So uh, I gave Dylan a, a list of first basemen who are going outside the top 300 in NFPC 15-team draft and hold leagues. And he's going to tell me which first baseman he thinks is the best value, who's going outside of the top 300 right now. Uh, Who'd you settle on,
2: Dylan? I settled on Ty France. Uh, Pick 354. Drive line. Exactly. That, that, that was, that was my key thing. He, he Rizzo Wilmer Flores and I think CJ Crone were kind of the top values using that, that technique I was talking about earlier. And then of those um, the fact that he's going to drive line, the fact that he's um, he knows he hasn't done well in the last year and a half or whatever. Um, I'm kind of expecting a bounce back. He, his numbers are good. In terms of like WRC plus, it's just he's not they're not actualizing into home runs and stuff, and I just feel that maybe drive can unlock it. That, that's the hope. So if I had to choose between Rizzo Flores and France, I think France. He's also the 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 cheapest of the three. Um, he's the guy that I, I'm going to pick there because I, I just I, I have him in a couple dynasty leagues as well, and I, I really like him. And I'm, maybe I'm wish casting there, but uh, I like Ty France to to turn it around.
1: Some people wish cast about the Jordan Lawlers of the world and others wish cast about the Ty Francis of the world. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's, that's a fine pick. The, the guy that I wish I could say who I think is one of the better values in the entire player pool right now is Jose Abreu, but he's just inside the top 300. He's going 287 on average. Um, he was basically the exact player everyone thought he was in the second half after not being that player in the first half and he was playing through injury so love Abreu where he's going but outside the top 300 my pick is going to be uh, actually Brandon Belt all the way down at 549 uh, for an ADP for Brandon Belt Um, you know I think he's he's the type of hitter, like of these sort of free agent guys, um, like good teams are going to want Brandon belt. Uh, you know, he was, he struck out way more than, than he has last year, but he really cut the strikeouts as the season went on. He was really awesome in the second half uh, on a per plate appearance basis. You know, you're, you know, Brandon belt's going to miss a lot of time. Um, I don't know. I'd maybe project him for like 110 games, something like that. But when he is healthy and whichever team he signs with is facing some righties, I think you got to play him. And uh it's just it's hard to find a first baseman this late in drafts where you're actually not like bummed to plug them into your lineup if you need to. Uh like I look at the guys going ahead of belt Kevin Biggio, um, CJ Crone, Roddy Tellez, Matt Mervis, Ryan O'Hearn, Ryan Noda, Nolan Shanwell, Carlos Santana, DJ Lemayhu, Lamont Wade, Jake Cronenworth, Ellie Harris Montero, even Ty France. Like all those guys, I think Belt's going to be better than on a per plate appearance basis this year. And so it's just you know you're going to deal with some injuries, but just as your as your backup first baseman. Like you're not drafting him as a util guy. You're not drafting him as a corner guy, but just as a backup first baseman, I think belts it a great value.
2: So I'm surprised you didn't number one, I'm surprised you didn't take Rowdy to especially after signing with the pirates. But number two, where do you think, how do you think his ADP is going to go now that he's signed with someone? So you know, he's going to play. How do you think the market's going to move him?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of a a scorned lover, um, (laughs) but this, you know, you, you can't fall into that trap. Um, you get a lot, make a lot of mistakes when you let emotions get involved, um, with players. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how much I trust the playing time over the course of the season. Like How much better does he have to be than he was last year to keep that job um i don't know i it it, it's kind of looking like uh 2022 was maybe a bit of an outlier there um just the the lack of power in uh in 2023 really troubling for a guy where we already know the, the batting average floor is very low with rowdy so um i don't know i i i still kind of like i'm looking there's sort of safer options to me even though he does have that deal like i'd still rather have um i'd still rather have like lamont wade or even like ryan nota like i think ryan nota and rowdy Teles are, are kind of the same guy basically and I feel maybe a, a tiny bit better about Noda. but um yeah i not that interested in tolas even after him signing
2: you are a scorned lover
1: <laughs> i know i know it's uh maybe i'll maybe i'll come around on him but um definitely a, a good time though for for listeners to uh, renew their their roadwire subscriptions for the 2024 season i believe our draft kit uh or MLB commish just went live uh I've got a bunch of prospect outlooks that people will be able to check out on the site uh in the coming weeks and then a ton of first year player draft content coming so definitely uh, renew your roadwire subscription if you haven't already um but Dylan uh what do you got to plug what do you got going on I know I, I catch the uh the fantasy pod you do with Jeff Ponce every week um anything else you want to promote
2: no, that's basically it. Jeff and I are knee deep in positional rankings for Dynasty. We just did the catchers this week. Every position comes out weekly. So first base next week, second base during the Christmas week. Um, yeah, so that's coming out. We do our weekly podcast, and uh, you know, you're the benchmark for fantasy Dynasty ranks. And you know, Jeff and I are doing our best to kind of be on the same same tier as you. And it's a uh, big shoes to fill, compete with. <laughs> I don't know, whatever the, the idiom is. Um, so always great to be on this podcast with you and talk baseball.
1: Well, yeah, you guys do great work. I mean, I, I don't think we're competing as much as just kind of you know, all, all doing it. Um, you know, I, I love everything you guys do and uh, keep up the great work, man. Um, excited to see which NFBC contests you end up entering. Um, besides, I'm sure. Sure, you and Jordan Rosenblum will take uh, like Jacob Degrom and Carlos Rodan and uh, just all the all the injured pitchers. Probably still take Mason Miller, um, but you can churn those spots in a twelve teamer.
2: Exactly, that's true. <laughs> I, it's funny. We were just talking the other day, and it's like Tyler Glass now. Like all these guys are just. It's all steamer based, and uh, I, I can't argue with any of the Pixies. Megan, uh, I'm on board.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thanks so much, Dylan. Um, thanks to everyone for listening and I'll be back
0: with another episode next week. Cheers. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done.